Today's Gospel reading comes from the sixth chapter of John, beginning at verse 56. Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are, there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe and who was the one that would betray him. And Jesus said, for this reason I have told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of all this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you saw the sermon preview for this week, you've heard these first few sentences already. But maybe you didn't, and in any case, they bear repeating. They come from a weekly devotional written by Pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber. She starts with this. I used to live in a very old apartment building with super sketchy electrical wiring. Were I to audaciously assume that my hair dryer could run while my stereo was also on, I would once again find myself opening the gray metal fuse box next to the refrigerator and flipping the breaker. Because my apartment had been built at a time when there were no electric hair dryers, and the system shut down when I asked too much of it. She says, I think of that fuse box often these days because, friends, I just don't think our psyches were developed to hold, feel, and respond to everything coming at them right now. Technology makes it possible for us to see what feels like every tragedy, injustice, sorrow, and natural disaster happening to every human across the entire planet in real time every minute of the day. 
Whereas the human heart and spirit were developed to be able to hold, feel, and respond to everything happening in our particular village. So my emotional circuit breaker keeps overloading because maybe my hardware, our hardware, was built for a different time. Every day I'm left wondering, am I doing enough? Sacrificing enough, saying enough, giving enough? And the answer is always no. Because no matter what I do, the goal of enough is always just as far away as when I started. And yet doing nothing is hardly the answer. So now what? When I read that email, I wondered if somehow Pastor Nadia had been inside by heart and mind when she wrote it. But then again, I suspect a great many of us feel the same way. Often in my prayers, I rely on St. Paul's promise that the Spirit of God intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. And in these particular days, I find that my sighs grow longer and longer. We are grieving for the people of Afghanistan, for the chaos and the fear they are experiencing, for the anxiety they carry for their future, and for the families of those who served in the military and suffered loss of life and health and now wonder what it was all for. We are grieving for the people of Haiti who once again must pick up the pieces after a devastating earthquake when they were still recovering from the earthquake 10 years ago and multiple damaging storms since then. We sigh for nations all over the world, including our own, as the Delta variant rages and those who have not been vaccinated, especially children, fill up hospital beds and ICU departments. We are weeping with the healthcare workers whose energy has been utterly drained by the last 18 months and who now face another wave of an unrelenting virus. We are praying for the safety of teachers and students and school staff and all who are eagerly and anxiously waiting the beginning of a school year that looked one way about a month ago and now is looking different. And all that is but a small peak at what fills us, fills us with sighs too deep for words. Wildfires and persistent injustice and systemic racism and mental illness and so many without a safe place to live in. At the same time, many of us live insulated from the worst of it all. What keeps us up at night, the worries that we carry for the sake of others, those are daily unrelenting realities for real human beings all over the world. What many of us see as photos on the news is someone else's whole life brought to a breaking point. Others have it much worse, we sometimes hear. So how dare we say that we are suffering? For the past six weeks in worship, we have been in a journey through the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. 
It's the longest we ever stay in one chapter in the three-year cycle of readings we follow on Sunday mornings. It's the only time that we set up camp and stay in this one place for this amount of time. A lot happens in this one chapter, to be sure. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with some loaves and fish, and then he begins to talk about himself as the bread of life. And then people begin to argue with him about what that means. And then he goes a step further and tells people that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood. Until finally, today, all of it has become too much for many of the people who were listening and they begin to leave. Jesus turns to his closest friends and he asks, do you also wish to go away? As if to say, is this too much for you? Are your hearts and minds overwhelmed by what you have seen and heard, by the crowds pressing in on us at every turn, by the hunger and the need and the hurt in this world? For many in the crowds, it had become too much. The story says that many turned back and no longer went about with him. Now, before we give the remaining 12 disciples too much credit, let's remember that by the time this story seems to come to an end, when Jesus is dying on the cross, every single one of this 12 will have fled too. <laughs> but for now, they are sticking around. And Simon Peter turns to Jesus and says simply, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, Peter is known for leaping before he looks. <laughs> He's quick to say the right thing. He's just not always as consistent in his actions. He's so eager to follow Jesus one day that he tries to walk on water like Jesus, only to sink like a stone. He swears up and down that he would never abandon Jesus. And then he finds himself in a courtyard outside Jesus' rushed trial, swearing instead that he never met the guy, doesn't know who he is. So maybe Peter is doing that here, saying what sounds good, even if he doesn't quite know how to follow it up with action. But that's not how it sounds to me. Instead, Peter's words carry almost a feeling of lament with them, a little uncertainty, even in his confession. We're kind of out of options, Jesus, he says. Where else can we go? Lord, to whom can we go? How do we get through when our circuit breakers are overloaded? How can we keep from numbing ourselves by shutting down or trying to avoid what is hard or pretending we can't see what is happening? How do we live in a world where there is so much struggle and uncertainty and anxiety without losing hope altogether and finding ourselves in despair? Where is the bread of life when our world is so deeply, persistently hungry? Lord, to whom can we go?
We know that the ability to lament together has been one of the losses of this past year and a half. Because as a culture, we're not really very good about facing our grief and naming it honestly. In our rush to get back to normal, we may have hoped to skip over all our losses and just pick up the pieces where we left them and move on. But as Pastor Nadia reminds us, we're not built to hold that kind of pent-up demand. Our fuses may begin to pop. We may find ourselves getting angry at small things or losing our temper when we ordinarily wouldn't. We might try to numb ourselves with screens or alcohol or a level of activity that prevents us from ever thinking about how we really feel. In the end, it will catch up with us. It always does. And we, like Peter, might be left with that question. Lord, to whom can we go? In spite of all this, it's not actually my intention to make you feel worse. <laughs> Healing begins by admitting what hurts. And at least part of what we can offer to one another as we worship is a safe place to lay down what we can no longer carry on our own. The beauty of community, even online, is learning that we actually share a fuse box together. We are not expected to carry everything alone. In fact, as we finish up this chapter in John's Gospel, perhaps what we need to do is go back to the beginning again. Remember how it started? How Jesus stood in front of a massive crowd, hungry for what he was offering, but also just hungry for lunch. He turned to his disciples and he said, where are we to get enough for these people to eat? <laughs> All the evidence suggested that this particular circuit box was completely overloaded. One disciple admitted that they'd have to work six months to earn enough money for even a fraction of the crowd to get a snack. Surely, a real meal, 5,000 full stomachs, was impossible. But one small boy raised his hand and offered what he had brought with him that day. Five loaves, two fish. And Jesus took that small gift, the loaves and the fish, and he blessed them and he broke them. And then he began to share them among the people. From one hand to another, from one group to another, the food continued to make its way through the crowd. And yet it never ran out. By the time everyone had eaten their fill, they were rushing around looking for enough baskets to hold the massive amount of leftovers. We are all in this crowd together. Some of us are hurting visibly, and some of us are hurting secretly, and some of us are doing okay. Some of us have loaves and fish to offer today, and some of us don't have anything today. And others have been hungry for so long, they no longer remember what it feels like to be full. And among us comes one who takes what we have and who we are 
and blesses us. Who breaks open our hard hearts and our carefully built walls and sets a feast before us that is meant to be shared. In case you have forgotten, and we all do sometimes, we are not the bread of life, Jesus is. We are not the words of eternal life or the Holy One of God, Jesus is. We are called to do what we can with what we have, with all the strength we have every day that we have, even though we cannot do it all. Over and over again, Jesus is the bread of life for this hungry and hurting world. And bread may not seem like much sometimes. A little manna on the ground, a couple loaves and fish brought by a child, the daily bread we pray for as we prepare to sit again at God's table. But God always chooses the ordinary, the small, the vulnerable, with which to feed and nourish the world. And for the moments when we look around and wonder, Lord, to whom shall we go? I offer this last prayer from Pastor Nadia. Please show me, God, what is mine to do. Because otherwise I will feel horrible for not doing everything or callous for doing nothing. So give me grace for myself and others. Also, everyone is understaffed right now, so grant me patience with every clerk and delivery driver and customer service rep. And when all I can do is stop during the day and place my hand on my heart and hold up all these heavy realities to you, may it count as prayer. Help me to know when there is water in my bucket and which fire to throw it on, and help me to know when to wait because I am on empty. Help me to trust that you will give me what I am to give away. I guess what I am saying, Lord, is please show us mercy and help us show that same mercy to ourselves and others. Lord, you are the one to whom we can go, the one with the words of eternal life, the bread of life. Give us good courage and wise hearts and brave souls for the sake of your beloved and beautiful and hungry world. Amen.